This podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. What is creation? Did God create the world in six days and rest on the seventh? Does anyone really care? These questions and many more, including teaching tips and great resources, are presented in the Creation Science Podcast. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and it's my pleasure and honor to be your host. Some of these shows are from my Best of Creation Expos and other presentations I've completed throughout the years of teaching on this topic. I'm the owner of Media Angels, Inc., a publishing company that produces books, audios, and videos to help you and your family in your Christian walk. Check out my books and other podcasts at MediaAngels.com. To get the show notes for this broadcast, go to CreationSciencePodcast.com. And now, let's learn together. Hi, folks. Welcome to my podcast on subjects related to geology. This is your host, Patrick Nury. In today's podcast, we are going to talk about deism and modern geology. What do these two things have to do with each other? Well, that is what this podcast is all about. Before we begin, I wanted to let you know about the materials I have available from Northwest Treasures, northwestrockandfossil.com. Northwest Treasures is devoted to equipping you in a biblical understanding of Earth history. I have over a hundred kits that contain rocks, minerals, fossils, and many books, all designed to help clarify Genesis and biblical geology. Now, back to our podcast for today, Deism and Modern Geology. What on earth is deism and what does it have to do with geology? The word deism comes from a Latin word, deus, meaning God. It was used to describe a particular belief about God that was distinguished from the Greek word used in the New Testament for God, theos from which we get the word theology. Deism is not an organized religion, but a collection of beliefs, some of which are commonly shared by all those who claim to be deists, and some are not. The idea of deism took shape during the Enlightenment, particularly in the 17 and 1800s, The Enlightenment was a period of intense challenge for the Church. Most deists were part of the Church of England, but struggled with traditional Christian beliefs. Many deists were Unitarians. Unitarians would not accept the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the Scriptures as inspired writings, nor miracles. They believed that Jesus was a good moral teacher only. You can see why deists felt at home in a Unitarian church. To some degree, many of our founding fathers were influenced by the deism of the time. That is why Benjamin Franklin struggled with the deity of Christ, and Thomas Jefferson struggled with the inspiration of the scriptures. In 1795, James Hutton brought a new enlightenment to geology. The earth was much older than the Bible stated, 
said James Hutton. Based on the rocks he was studying in Scotland. In Hutton's mind, time, lots of time, was the only way to account for the formation of the rock layers he was looking at. The rock layers looked much older than the Bible's timeline would allow. As Hutton observed the rock formations at Sicker Point in Scotland, he developed his own ideas about them. Instead of maintaining the standard that had been established in the garden several thousand years before to listen to and to trust what God had revealed in the scriptures, Hutton abandoned it in favor of a totally naturalistic process for explaining the rock layers he saw. He called this new enlightenment uniformitarianism, which he defined as uniformity of geologic processes operating the same way and at the same pace throughout all time. Instead of interpreting the rock layers at Sicker Point in light of the historical geology of the flood, he concluded that the rock layers had been formed over perhaps millions of years, certainly much longer than the Bible's chronology would allow. Modern Geology was born. Not many people know that James Hutton was one of the leading thinkers of the Scottish Enlightenment. In other words, the rocks did not convince Hutton of uniformitarianism, but the philosophical convictions of the Enlightenment. The rest, as they say, was history. Uniformitarianism became the bedrock of modern geology. But like all isms, there was belief involved. The doorway to the secrets of the Enlightenment promised in uniformitarianism was through a type of faith. To get this enlightenment meant that geologists would have to jettison the old religious concepts of a young earth or recent creation and a global flood. Foundational concepts in the Bible. The Enlightenment infused a distrust of anything the Bible said. Uniformitarianism would serve as the new revelation, replace the Bible's revelation, so to speak, and substitute a new religion called deism. These two faiths, Uniformitarianism and Deism were the children of the Enlightenment and the foundation of the new geology we now embrace in our modern culture. Deism is really a heresy of theism and an intermediate step to the atheism so prevalent in our modern culture. The Enlightenment was all about getting rid of of the old ways offered in the biblical myth. The God of deism was a God removed from his creation. He was not involved as the biblical myth taught. He did create at some distant time in the past, but after that, he left natural laws to govern his creation. Man had been created with the ability to discover these things, how they worked, and how they applied to their origin. 
man no longer needed a god or religious writings to understand earth history. Man was to use his powers of observation within a naturalistic view of earth history. The deceptive thing about this view was that it would soon be endorsed by the scientific community and taught in science classes with scientific words as scientific fact. Deism has elements of both atheism and theism, but it clothes itself in scientific jargon. It is one of the most destructive and deceitful heresies in Western civilization. Most of the history of the Church that I have studied seems to have ignored the heretical content of deism. I'm not totally sure why. It may lie in the fact that most deists attended some sort of church and therefore maintained at least some sort of religious respectability. As a religion, however, deism has sort of slipped back into the shadows so that it looks like just another religious bygone component of Christianity, something that was here for just a short period of time and then vanished. But it is here in the form of uniformitarian geology. Why does it matter whether a bunch of men in the 1800s believed in deism? There are always consequences in faith, whether from believing or disbelieving in God. Deism, however, is very crafty. It is neither an active belief in God nor an active disbelief in God. It allows the conscience to simply deal with God by considering him irrelevant. One of the biggest consequences of deism is what it does with accounts in the scripture that document God's direct involvement in his creation. Let me give you just one significant example here. Read the account in Psalm 78, verses 43 through 55, concerning what God did in the land of Egypt when he brought Israel out of Egypt. Here's what it says. When he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the field of Zoan, and turned their rivers to blood and their streams they could not drink, he sent among them swarms of flies which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. He gave also their crops to the grasshopper and the product of their labor to the locust. He destroyed their vines with the hailstones and their sycamore trees with frost. He gave over their cattle also to the hailstones and their herds to bolts of lightning. He sent upon them his burning anger, fury, and indignation, and trouble, a band of destroying angels. He leveled a path for his anger. He did not spare their soul from death, but gave over their life to the plague, and smote all the firstborn in Egypt, the first issue of their virility in the tents of Ham. 
But he led forth his own people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them safely so that they did not fear, but the sea engulfed their enemies. So he brought them to his holy land, to this hill country, which his right hand had gained. He also drove out the nations before them and apportioned them for an inheritance by measurement and made the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents. So, in light of this passage here, what is the practical consequence of deism on biblical history? Effectively, deism denies this historical account. What is recorded in this passage was most likely myth, because it cannot be verified by science. Deism denies this account of God's involvement in history. The account recorded in this passage was just some unenlightened scribe's way of explaining the inexplainable. It is just superstition. Deism denies the miraculous nature of the events that are recorded in the passage. Since deism denies the existence of miracles and insists that everything must be explained in terms of naturalistic processes, the whole of God's nature and even his existence is in question. Miracles cannot be verified by science. Deism denies the legitimacy of Israel's appointment to the land apportioned to them by God. As deism denies the biblical story of Israel, as secular archaeologists tell us, then Israel has no foundation for their insistence that Israel and Jerusalem belong to them. And deism denies the whole history as recorded in this passage, and it is in doubt. If that's true, then the whole ascendancy of the Messiah, Jesus, is in doubt. Jesus came out of Israel. If Israel is in question, so is the Messiah. Consequently, the whole Bible is in doubt. Christianity is suspect. Deism has won the struggle. Deism, in the guise of uniformitarianism, is not a science, but in reality, another religion masquerading as scientific geology. It is trying to dress itself up as legitimate science. This is what we must understand about modern geology if we are ever going to understand the subject and why it appears so mystifying and confusing. Deism is also a different presentation of history. It is a different story about a different God than the story and the God of the Bible. It is an interesting observation to me that secular geologists, as the teachers of this different story, are telling me that the recent history of the earth talked about in the Bible is just a myth and cannot be trusted because it cannot be verified by scientific research. And yet, these same geologists asked me to trust their work and their teaching 
about an alternative Earth history that happened hundreds of millions of years ago that cannot be tested or verified by science. It is a clever turn of events. The effects of deism have left their mark on our modern fields of science and history. Modern geology has combined two different subjects, earth science and earth history, to come up with a respectable-looking academic subject. In reality, however, we are learning a religious, atheistic view of earth history that has earned the respect of the scientific establishment. We must teach our kids differently if their faith is to hold up under the onslaught of scientific naturalism or uniformitarianism that is designed to demolish the traditions and tenets of Christianity. Well, that will conclude our podcast today, Deism and Modern Geology. As you can tell, this subject is very important to me. And it is because of this that I've written 24 textbooks and constructed over 100 geology kits, all designed to help equip and build your faith in the scriptures. You can see these various selections at my website, northwestrockandfossil.com. This has been your host, Patrick Nury, with Northwest Treasures. Thanks so much for listening to the Creation Science Podcast. You can find the show notes at creationsciencepodcast.com. And as always, reach out to me, Felice Gerwitz, at felice at mediaangels.com. Take care, God bless, and I hope you enjoy teaching your children and learning about the beautiful world that God created. Please share this broadcast with a friend, and thanks so much.